Hello friends, welcome to episode 47 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. Are we doing okay, Rob? I don't know yet. Okay. I am still trying to figure it all out and make sure that we actually can hear each other and like get through this technological curve and i'm sorry for the delay everyone that we were a few minutes off there we had just a wee bit of technical difficulty that was on our end that's all but you know what these are these are great little growing pains though yes um, yes so for those of you who haven't heard uh we are no longer with podcast detroit uh as of uh basically this show this is gonna be our last show uh yeah um and we are recording from a separate location now yes we are uh we are live in the new studio, our studio, actually. <laughs> our studio. Yes, we uh, uh, we built this studio. I think is the way the mm-hmm. the easiest way to put that. So, um, is this, does that make it a studio conclave? Like, oh, nice! <laughs> I kind of like. Conclave. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. I Printed, like it. It's gold. Yes. Uh, either that, or they're gonna make us call it the creche or something like that. Whatever turtles go to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anywho, so yeah, we're we're kind of getting back to whatever normal is, uh, and that's uh, that's kind of where we're gonna end up with this. Is uh, we're gonna start. We we did this for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. um, most current events and such, uh, but it also gives us the opportunity to do things our way and kind of rebuild a little bit of what we want to do engineering wise. Yeah, it it puts us uh, puts us kind of back in control of things for for better or for worse. Oh, uh, totally. So, I agree. Sometimes we don't have a sound engineer here for us to uh, <laughs> you know, or we we had to put all the infrastructure together ourselves yes. and then we had to figure out how to hook it up and then yeah. we had to figure out how to operate it and we're we're uh, we're breathing a little bit heavy about that because yes, there's some, yes. some raised just, nerves just in the last a, fifteen minutes, but <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. Nothing, nothing too terrible, I would say. Um, so hopefully everything sounds good uh, on our new streaming service, which yeah. is uh, MixLR or Mix Live Radio, yeah. however you want to say it. Um, their their system seems very nice. Their support team is a wonderful group, and uh, the the actually the, it seems pretty straightforward, which I, I really liked. Um, there is a chat feature that they have um I'm, I'm going to kind of avoid it for now um and uh we're only going to be using the discord chat uh mostly for our patreon members who are taking care of us so well so that they have access to us there mm-hmm. but also because there's a ridiculous delay apparently in the chat app for us oh. uh, from the live stream and i'd rather use the discord to get more of a quick response off of it yeah absolutely um and there may be other things that we'll be doing in the future um and uh we'll, we'll see how things go um sure, this sure. does give us a lot of flexibility so absolutely but we have a show today we do have a like show. legitimate show. We're not going to be just talking about craziness. Um, we had this contemporary show as an idea of like what's what's a contemporary game and what's a contemporary setting and what does it really mean? And uh, we kind of put it off and then we kind of forgot about it. And then we were like, <laughs> are we doing that this week? And I was like, yes, we're doing that this we, week. We had, we had it on a list. It was we would get to it eventually. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, real quick before before we get into the contemporary thing, sure, though, sure, sure. I want to talk a little a little bit about the craziness, okay? But about the gaming opportunities. That oh, that's right. So so last weekend you played virtual with everybody. Yeah. I mean, obviously with your storyteller sitting next to you. Right. But I looked in Discord and saw you in like a chat group, but uh-huh. also I saw you with the uh tabletop simulator yep. up tabletop simulator. how did that work out for you uh so that was actually surprisingly good I, I i gotta be straight up like i was i was very doubtful going in like i was very skeptical okay um that it was going to give a a good gaming experience right. but um uh storyteller was uh was my boyfriend sean mm-hmm. and uh uh Who's a uh, heat sink here on the uh, on the on the Discord? One of the mods, and uh, one of the mods, and uh, he he put a lot of work into setting it up and downloading a lot of different mods that um, allowed for things like dice rollers and uh, a whole bunch of miniatures. Right. Um, he had uh, even things like it would bring in virtual um, tablets. Oh, that You could nice. pull up like Google on. We were going to do D&D Beyond on those tablets oh, in Jesus. the virtual space. That is hilarious. What we found out is that all of them shared the same account. So when I logged oh. in, it was just me right, on right. everybody's tablets. So, right. Uh, unfortunately, 
Um, we, we weren't able to do that, but you know, a lot of us were just able to pull up D and D beyond because we were all playing on our computers. Right. Right. You know, so it really wasn't that much, uh, that much of a problem. We had virtual dice <laughs> simulated physics. Oh my Lord. You know? And so, so uh, how now he, now were you and him in VR? Uh, okay. So you can play it in VR, okay. but I, I think, um, Sean put his, his VR goggles on for like uh, I don't know, 15 minutes or something like that. And then, and then it just got annoying. And then at one point, I just saw him just take the goggles off and he just like put his head down and just pinched the bridge of his nose. And he was just like, oh, I was like, are you, are you okay? He's like, just eye strain from the goggles. Like, oh, and okay. I was like, okay, so we're not going to be doing this in VR for, okay. for six hours. You okay. Know? That's fair. That's fair. Now, you could. Right. But it works very well with um just uh just your mouse and keyboard. Oh, okay. Um, you okay. can use the WADS keys if you're familiar with those from sure. you know, basically any first person sure, shooter. Sure, 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 sure. Moving around, um, easily move your camera around. Um, There's some camera controls you can do with your mouse as well. And basically your, your cursor is your hand. And you can mm-hmm. just pick things up and look nice. if you want to if you want to toss your dice, literally just grab them and just throw them <laughs> across the table. And uh, you can like drag and select multiple dice. Okay. And then when you pick them up, they'll all kind of all just kind of hover up off of the off the so board wherever they're at. But then you give them a little shake, like move your mouse back and, they and roll. forth. And what it'll do is it'll gather them up into a bundle. Oh, nice for you. And then you just flick them across the table <laughs> with a little flick of your mouse and let go of the let go of the mouse button at the sure. end. And they will just in physics just roll. Nice. And they'll land, and you can see what they are. And they'll, hmm. uh, d- depending on which dice mod you're using, they'll even add them up for you at the end. So, you know, when you're dropping, like, what is it, 8D8 or something oh, like that geez. for a cone of cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to sit there and, like, pick up each individual die and, like, have to move your camera to see what the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll just be like, oh, 8D8 plus, you know, equals 36. Okay. Nice. So, uh, we had the little miniatures out there. Um, nice. He brought little, um, uh, those little status rings oh. that we've that we've been using. He had a virtual version of those. Nice. And so it was just really, really nice just to be able to put it all and still have that authentic tabletop experience with the dice and the minis and the yeah, and everything. Yeah. I feel that uh, Nox here is talking about his session where they basically had one phone and Discord and that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And my yeah. thought is like, I think that's us old, you know, where one of us is deaf and the other one has to like read the Discord like, what did I get? Like, you're blind, <laughs> bad. Just roll the damn dice. Is this it? Did I crit? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be us in the retirement home. I totally can see that. I totally can see that. You well, rolled a D6. You didn't even crit. <laughs> I think that's really great. Um, Like, I'd love to sit down and review with both of you soon, because I've got a game on Saturday that involves you. Yeah. Um, So that's going to be interesting. I think I'm going to low-key it for that one. Mm-hmm. Probably just use, like, Roll20 and some Discord, because yeah. most of my stuff's conversational for the most sure, part. I don't sure. need that much combat. But I'm interested to see what it looks like uh-huh. and to see how challenging it's going to be. Because some of my players... I feel um, in in my game, like, I don't want them to have a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. I want them to be as simplified as going into as possible. Yeah. And yeah. so there, there's a technical level there that I would be concerned about. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they deal with technology every day, and a small problem really can stress out a whole team. That's true. So, That's but true. you did you feel that it went very smoothly for your group? Uh, I was I was uh, struggling with it for about fifteen minutes or so, and then once I started realizing like what some of the controls were, and then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this makes sense now. Did you have any like new players, like new not only D and D players but technological players, like people who never touched the 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 tab- virtual tabletop before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, play, play players you're familiar with. I'm just I'm, I'm yep. Our Discord is not. Yep. <laughs> uh yeah. So uh, uh yeah they they were um. Uh, yeah, pretty much. In fact, two, two of the players are pretty new to D&D to begin with. Oh, wow. Uh, one, one of them has, uh, is a mutual friend of ours. Right, right. Uh, who has, uh, role-played with us, uh, for, if, in fact, is one of our Patreon supporters, Ela May. Mm. Um, yeah, but she's, you know, she's role-played with us occasionally, but I wouldn't say she's, like, one of our, like, regular, regular, regular players. Um, yeah, I mean, she definitely wants to play more regular, but I know she hasn't been in a ton of games. Yeah. Um, due to all number of reasons that we all have. Um, but I think that, uh... Uh, and then on a technological level, you know, she plays some games. I mean, she doesn't do a lot yeah. of PC gaming, so yeah. but she was able to grab it and work right with it. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. The the other one was uh uh in Discord. She's Biblia Rose. Okay. Uh, so uh, and I I know you know her, yep. her particular technical level. So yeah. Uh, yeah, able to get right in and and we we played around with it, kind of pre gamed with it for about an hour. Or so right, right, just right, to, right. Uh, you know, get people used to the controls. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we almost did like a session zero, but not for tech, a tech session. A tech zero. session nice. zero. No, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, we talk about session 
session zeros in in remote play i think it's just as important to do a tech session zero so that everybody's on the same level yeah you know and you can fill in those gaps you mm -hmm. know where someone may not be bringing cheetos to the party maybe throwing five dollars on a steam gift card to help them get the technology or software that they need might be helpful so but yeah, I think that's a I think that's a pretty grand idea. Now, Biblia Rose actually did um, ask me a question, and she she asked me this in person, so sure, she can sure, go sure. through like our normal Discord channels right, 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 for, right, right. for getting the questions. But um, because we're on topic sure. of this um, about gaming remote and stuff like that, and we're kind of mm -hmm. coming off the tail end of our last episode about gaming remote, I wanted to ask you this question. Sure, what your opinion was. Um, she brought up the idea of doing face cams. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Wanted to know if I felt like that would add something to the experience, or do we think that that's an unnecessary step? Two things that I would say to that. Sure. One, face cams helped a lot for me in Seven C mm -hmm. because, uh, from a player's perspective, um, I could see engagement. Mm -hmm. I could tell when someone was there. Mm -hmm. I could talk to somebody directly, um, and it felt more. Like I was like if somebody wasn't responding to me because they were making an expression, mm -hmm. it was so much easier to read. Sure, like that sure. is much easier when you know when you look at somebody and you're just like, yeah, that, I killed my father the other day, and they're you know much like we're doing right now. You're making the yeah. stare, like, and like you're, like the eyes kind of get right. wide, the eyebrows go straight up, and, and you're like. But if it's just audio on yeah. Discord, you don't get that exactly. You, you just have hear to the type it body out. Voice going. I'm sorry, what? Exactly. You know. Now, I will say a second thing that I saw, and I saw this this last week, was there are certain filters you can get for Skype and a few of the things that change your face into something else. Oh. And you can do like goblins and elves and things like that oh, so that it's not you, but it's like a puppet. That's oh, actually yeah, being know, manipulated. I've seen some of those, yeah. and you do like uh, uh, like different animal creatures and stuff like that too. Exactly. So it would be neat, like in uh, uh, in in our game, mm -hmm. um, uh, your wife plays a Khajiit, yeah, because it's set in the Elder Scrolls universe. Mm -hmm. To actually have like a like a cat a, face for yeah. her would be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, again, it's about it's more about being able to see the expressions of people, and sure. if you have a lot of inner party discussion, mm -hmm. which. I would see this being a major thing for uh, games like yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, you were talking about some of the session stuff that happened with between you and Biblioros. Um, expressions are important for those kind of things. They are. They are. You know, because you you need to either say your expressions and be almost radio show like, which is weird until you heard it. Like uh, if you're listening to Dick Tracy, there are things in Dick Tracy that happens that lets you know how the characters are reacting gasps guffaws you know yeah. mumbles things like that that you had to have and most people don't recognize that in discord mm -hmm. you know or in a chat app where you don't get to see that person you have to have some way for them to know that you're reacting and that makes it challenging right, so right. there's a lot of acting skills that go into something like that where you don't have those kind of mm -hmm looks across the table now i mean i, I do see Knox here in the uh in, in the live chat and he's commenting that you know he wouldn't want to do it uh he doesn't have a cam anyways right now mind you the next thing he followed up with is well i'd have to think about it i'm thinking about it and starting to starting to see the appeal there is an appeal to it but but understanding it's not for everyone i think no it's definitely not some, the least the the condition of course is always group consent 100 you know? percent um, so yeah, with are... what you feel is really what it comes down to. Exactly, exactly. So I, you so... know, and understanding also, it's another piece of equipment. <laughs> Not everybody has that. It's a, it's another financial yeah. commitment. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Luckily, a lot of that is coming down in price for people. Um, getting, you know, simple technology is easy. It doesn't have to be a great camera. It doesn't yeah. have to be something huge. But it also adds to the fact of what we talked about last week, where when you get into gaming, it is a private space. It is mm -hmm. like you were in their home. So you don't want to have a lot of busyness going on around you. Yeah, You exactly. don't want to have dogs or kids or other things coming in. It's got to be some dedicated time. Right. right. So. so we have a... Do are, we, are we ready to get back? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. no. I, th I think I think we uh, we talked about that. I just wanted to get that out. No, it was no, such a it's cool good. experience. It was a good I was experience. Like, I got to talk about solid this on the good show, experience. You know? So one of the first things that we got when we threw this out there was people were like, "What do you mean by contemporary game?" Uh huh. And I think what we're talking about when we talk about contemporary games is um, we're so glad you asked. Yes, we, yeah. <laughs> so it is a story that can happen to real people in real settings, mm -hmm. aka real life. You know, so when you're talking about going to the king and talking about an orc invasion, that that's not happening tomorrow at the White House. Yes. You know, he isn't the king, although you could technically go and talk to the queen herself. Uh, and that could be a thing by by all standards. But I would say, like, if you're talking about walking down the street 
and there's a bank robbery going on, that's pretty feasible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty... A, a detective stumbling across a secret cult, maybe, of of worshippers or something, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that's reasonable and contemporary. Sure. You sure. know, but you start stretching from there, and it's about how far you stretch with the word contemporary. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I, I typically uh, would define contemporary games as... Um, something that takes place in just just in the modern era you know things that are that are you know you have cars you people have cell phones there's television and internet and things like that um that's always kind of what i've defined contemporary as but then you know you just layer stuff on top of that to kind of get your your individual flavors um so you get things like uh you know like dresden files or uh or uh urban shadows oh urban shadows totally yep uh you know we're so that's like contemporary fantasy yeah you know i mean buffy is a good example of contemporary fantasy where it's an aspect of it like one of the things that i was talking about um when i was originally looking at this was that um you have flavors of it Mm -hmm. you have like harry potter which is a through the looking glass methodology that's where the veil between what is today known as reality and what's really going on behind the scenes is actually cut off by some kind of a gate in their case it's magic users versus non-magic users Mm -hmm. you know there are fantifical things but they stay away from the mundanes and that's the rule um vampire kind of did that Mm -hmm. you know a little bit because you know correct you know uh which covers you know werewolf the apocalypse and uh mage the ascension and changeling um those types of of worlds and then you have a distinct timeline change, mm-hmm. which is where you have reality as we know it, and then a shift occurs from something. Right, right. Uh, Shadowrun is a good example of that. Aberrant is another great um, one. Rifts actually is to a degree, but it's already set be- well beyond it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the events occurred, and we're well beyond that. But if right, you talk right. about right at the break, you have that. Uh, Division, the video game, is a good example of yep. a break like that. Yep. Um, another, you know, uh, aliens showing up. You know, and having an alien invasion kind of a thing. That's mm-hmm. That could be a time break. But again, there's still stuff that's going on that's very much distinctly this world. Uh, hidden in plain sight. Yeah. So you've got things like um, Batman to a degree is uh, is that, I think, at the shallowest levels where everybody's aware of crime in the city. But who? how often do you get to see the Joker doing something ridiculous? Right. You right. know, um, you've got, uh, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. or... Men in Black, where you've got organizations who are keeping things in the path, you know, keeping things under that veil. But they're kind of shadowy and secretive. And right. Not everybody knows about them. You're not going to, like, run into a S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. agent the same way you'd run into, like, a policeman. Yeah. Uh, Hellboy's another example of that. Where, oh, Hellboy. Good, good uh, Where example, you've yeah. literally got, like, the goblin market is something that you can't find normally. You have to f- know where to find it and how mm. to get put there, you know. Um and so that that gives you that that edge of of extraordinary that's just outside of the view of what normal people see, um, and then finally you have uh, normal people in extraordinary events, and that's where you've got situations like, you know, uh, Silent Hill mm-hmm. or Call of Cthulhu or Parasite Eve, where you've got a detective who is going to look at a murder case, and suddenly you know he walks in and. The body isn't on the floor, it's on the ceiling. And there's a priest there in the crime scene looking at things. (laughs) Something isn't right. Yeah. You know, some dude who calls himself the ancient son of Van Helsing has shown up as well. And now that normal person is dealing with extraordinary events. Yeah. It's still normal people dealing with that situation. Yep. Um, I think... uh, uh, Gosh, now I can't think of it. The, The TV show... Uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. It's a Stranger perfect Things example, is a really good of, example of a contemporary, contemporary sort of... Yeah, but it's normal people uh-huh. in extraordinary events. I mean, to a degree, it's hidden in plain sight. And to a degree, it's also a distinct change or through the looking glass because mm-hmm. you've got aspects of a hidden thing. But I think it's closer to normal people in extraordinary events. See, so. to, to, to me, though, like, if, okay, and if, if, if I've got my druthers, if I'm going to pick a contemporary setting, like, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be normal people in extraordinary in extraordinary. Well, yeah, you love Call of Cthulhu and that kind of thing. It's, it's well, almost a horror aspect in that sense. We've talked about tropes a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about, like, what, what my favorite tropes is Zeros to Heroes. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you don't get much more than zero than, like... Hawkeye? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, Sorry, I had to throw it gonna, in That's going to anger at least one of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I know, I think she'd throw down and say that that was totally re- legit. That's fair, that's so. fair. Um, 
No, but uh, just just uh, you know, I, I I love the zeros to heroes uh, trope, and uh, I I don't think you get much more zero than like this is you know Carol Smith. She works at Seven Eleven, mm-hmm. and now we're in the apocalypse. Yeah, or now no. you know Cthulhu is risen. So what are we gonna do? You know, um, yeah. I just think there's, you know, if if you go into a if you go into a story with with someone who's already a hero, you know, you it's it's like you're you're already standing on the shoulders of a giant to try to tell extraordinary stories. And there's something to be said for those stories to get bigger and better and more heroic and stuff like that. But I, I, I love the idea, especially in contemporary games, of just your everyday dude who's like a cab driver. Right. Having to fight off like a zombie apocalypse or finding sure. out that vampires are real. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and things like that. And then just seeing what they do. Yeah. Because, like, I can't relate to, you know, Ebony Ravenwood Smith, the, you know, dark dementia, uh, you know, dark witch of the third dimension or whatever. You know? Right. But I can relate to carol who's a store clerk right you know? i mean a good example uh knox was just brought up was like iron man is hard to fathom as a normal person yeah yeah he's a super genius he's a, exactly yeah he went out and got another doctor sorry like, let me rephrase break. it he's a rich playboy super genius yes like he has three classes he's already multiple levels ahead of everyone you know he spent his his achievement points on super intelligence maxed out his money and you know did all you know, he's he's level set he's technically an npc by all standards exactly. in a normal game exactly exactly so, like i could see him hiring people normal people and those normal people having like you could do a whole game based around the marvel universe being the extraordinary events but you just have normal people playing in it that would be a contemporary game mm-hmm. you know how does phil the cab driver help rescue six other people in chicago while there's a war going on, mm-hmm. you know, in you, you, there'd be a lot of background. There'd be a lot of other things, but yeah, there'd, there'd be alien troopers and like, you know, debris falling everywhere. And, yeah. and that would still be a game. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's the big draw of Call of Cthulhu too, you know, is it because you take that, you take that contemporary setting into a horror aspect then. And the fact that you are literally just Carl, the cab driver yeah. now suddenly becomes very detrimental to you because yeah. you've got these strange, you know, ravenous eldritch forces from beyond <laughs> the stars that, you know, can yeah. Just exactly. kill you with a flick of their wrist, yes. and you're a cab driver. Yeah, you know? yeah. How do you, how do you handle that situation? Right. So, right. Yeah. No, I, I I like that. I play the trumpet in a jazz band, man. Like <laughs> another one that hit me, but it's reversed. Um, do you remember Last Action Hero? It was a terrible movie. Yes. It's the it's a flip of that to a degree. It is. You've a got a flip. you've got a normal kid who ends up going into an extraordinary world, and then you have an extraordinary person coming back to the normal world. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose his place. He has to remember that things are extraordinary in his world. Yep. And once he figures that out, he's a normal person again. He can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, Like, he knows how to handle how to be a hero again. And I think that's kind of its own thing there, too. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if you had superheroes who lived in a superhero world, like, you know, with Batman and, you know, Superman and all those kind of things. And those people get pulled out realizing that that world is fake. It's mm-hmm. 100% fiction, and they fall into the real world with basically no powers. But mm. they still have the drive within them Yeah, to do the right they thing. They would get so, themselves killed, and they would end up in an episode of Jackass. Correct. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. So, um, so I, I guess this begs to ask the question, why do contemporary? Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I can think of a couple of reasons off the top of my head. Go for it. Uh, the first reason would simply be um, less suspension of disbelief. Okay. Um, I mean, when when you role playing games largely take place in our mind. You know, Agreed. We, we are they are narrated to us by the storyteller, right? Um, by and large, unless you've got an impressive set of miniatures, and even then, no, I, I agree. And even then, you know, all that has to be has to be told to you. So your your brain has to do the processing, essentially. I agree, one hundred percent. And so the less processing your brain has to do, the more processing power your brain has to do things like get into character Mm -hmm. and think about what your motivations are, what the story is doing, what you might, you know, how you might react to certain situations. And you don't have that level of abstraction. So even with something as popular as Dungeons and Dragons, 
even if you are playing something like Zeros to Heroes, where you're Bob the Farmer now, right? you still have to imagine what a medieval farmer would be like. Or what they would know, or what they didn't know. Exactly. Like, and I, I almost think that D&D kind of presets you to have this imagination that everyone's a hero, and everyone has, you know, these grandeur thoughts. But if right. you're starting out as a zero, you don't have those thoughts yet. You don't have those thoughts yet. This is, the, this is your origin story. Right. You your know? life stinks, question mark? Or yeah. your life is just normal. How many chickens is a sword worth? Right. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Why would I buy a sword? Uh-huh. Like, I'm just going to go talk to the lord of the land. Yeah, he's a dick, but at least he'll solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, he still wants his tomatoes, you know? Right, right. So you've got that level of abstraction you still have to work through as a, you know, as as, as a as a fantasy player but right. with a contemporary game it's set here yeah nowadays yeah you know 100 so you know if, if you've got things like what what would you do well i would look it up on the internet okay make a investigation check for me you yeah know? exactly bingo like you've got things like that you've got libraries you've got cell phones you've got modern conveniences like cars and transportation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um that's that's also kind of the downfall but we'll get there yeah i think we'll get there um uh, but also, uh, I think there's, it, it kind of gets you out of your typical, like, I think D&D has become, you know, very much the, it's, it's always been kind of the staple. You sure. Know, if, if you're going to be role-playing, you can almost use D&D like as that sort of brand name shortcut, you know, for, oh, I'm not, nobody knows what role-playing is, but if you say I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. Right. People are like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I, I've, I've heard of that. Well, I mean, at the same time, you someone know? says, you know, I'm playing Dresden Files this weekend, some people will be like, what? Yeah. Really? Like, that kind of a thing, or I'm playing Buffy this weekend, you know, right, or right. I'm playing Angel this weekend. You know, those kind of things would definitely do the same kind of piece to it. Um... But I, I, I like being able to give people the the theater of the mind's eye in an easier way mm-hmm. definitely is a appealing aspect, especially for early start, you know, storytellers, because the stories become more about what is going on. What's the fantasy that's happening? Right. You know, right. now we step into the other side of the coin. Why wouldn't we do it? Uh... I'm going to say the first thing for me is. I live in the real world. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why I want an escape. Yeah. Why I need that level of escape. And that is perfectly valid, man. Because yeah. honestly, after a long day of work, of dealing with people and the, the stresses of life and stuff like that, that sitting down and then pretending to be in the real world with the stresses of life, <laughs> it's not... True, true. You know, I want to I fight some dragons, man, you know? No, no, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. Um... My my biggest Achilles heel, I think, for contemporary games is uh, is that modern conveniences uh, solve too many problems for me. And I think it's probably just a problem with my own mindset as a storyteller. Like, sure. I, I'm sure like it's this is a me problem, not a contemporary gaming problem. Mm-hmm. But I think that I come from a, from a pretty strong fantasy background, so I think of things like transportation being an issue because how many horses can you afford, you know? Or are you guys just going to teleport, but you're going to have to shell out the, uh, the the gold for that unless you can find, you know, someone willing to do it for you. Or right. you have a wizard in your group who's powerful enough to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Transportation becomes an issue. Well, you know, in modern times, you just hop on a plane. Yeah. Like, at the same time, if oh, we, some... We need to be in Cairo tomorrow? Okay. You know, yeah. it, at the same time, if you're like, we need to, sh- you know, there's a shutdown on all travel, that's a serious thing. You can't just get in your private jet and drive away, you know, fly away. Like, the, you know, the the you know, air traffic control would have something to say about that. You know, the military would have something to say about that. You know, and so you run into problems where player where you basically have to say no to certain things because that doesn't work that way. You know, an average, you know, detective can't just walk into a police precinct and, you know, suddenly command things. Mm-hmm. You know, no, they're all going to look at you like, who the hell are you? No, I, I work for a living. I'm going to go get a donut <laughs> and then I'm going to go get my radio and I'm going to call whoever's out on patrol and they're going to go look at that thing. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Because it can't be that important unless you're telling me someone's dying, you know. But if you'd like to go talk to my captain... He'll be here tomorrow at 9 a.m. because he's can, gone for the day. You can make an appointment. Exactly. Yeah. You know. 
Exactly. You know, you start reaching out toward like Brooklyn Nine Nine kind of levels of comedy there. So now I did have some moderate success with uh, a modern game, um, and it was set it, it, very much in one of those like alternate sort of worlds where sure. uh, um, it was a D and D uh, D twenty modern. Uh, okay. Back when that was a thing, back in the the three three o three point five days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was D twenty modern, and then um, it was taking place as if the D and D manual of the planes mm-hmm. was real. Oh. So like the elemental plane of fire was a thing. The elemental plane of like evil, you know, the abyss, was a thing. Right. Right. You know. And uh, what happened basically was the veil between our world and, you know, the the, the real world, our world, sure, uh, broke down. And in certain places, like, you know, the middle of the desert, the elemental plane of fire started bleeding through because it's a very hot, arid place. It had an attunement with that. Um, certain larger cities like, you know, Detroit, Cleveland, things like that. Um, the abyss started bubbling through because they were they're at their old Rust Belt uh, cities. You know, and they're mm-hmm. they're places of kind of past their prime. They're kind of places of decay. I can say this because I live in Detroit, um, and I'm right, born right. in Buffalo, which is another Rust Belt city. So I'm not just Very throwing much shade so. here. No, no, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But in that in that setting, and then, uh, but here's the thing though: is that the the motivation that my players had was that they were a. This took place, you know, a little bit after this event took place. Right. And so it was established already. Uh, there was a kind of government, quasi-governmental agency that kind of came together, like a special forces group, yeah, to yeah. kind of deal with things and try to salvage what was left of humanity out of all the chaos that bubbled up. Okay. And so they were essentially a SEAL team. Sure. And off dealing with supernatural threats of these basically D&D creatures that I was importing into a D20 modern game. Right. Because they now had a reason to be there in the setting. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then there was some like Lovecrafty and culty stuff going on where people were like, "Oh, it's the end times. We should worship this sort of thing." And you know, there's always somebody like that. Better to stand at its right hand than in its path, sort of stuff. So, uh, I mean, I, I had some some moderate success with that. It didn't. Okay. We we had some scheduling difficulties, which is what what mm. actually ended up ending the game. But, right. Uh, right. But it was it was kind of cool while it lasted. Sure. You okay. Know? Okay. But I think that was probably aside from aberrant, that was really my like main foray into uh in, into contemporary. Yeah, I think. I think the other thing that gets me for contemporary are two things, and the, the other one I'll leave till the end, and that is, mm-hmm. the first thing is, is that getting something to be larger than life tends to be, have to get more and more into stepping into fantasy, Yeah, and you have to have reasons for that. Like, you have to create, craft why something is the way it is. Mm-hmm. With D&D, there's an elemental plane of fire. There's an elemental plane of, of water. Yeah. Like, cr- creating elementals, it's having magic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all, magic in. is a thing. But if you're like, okay... I am in this contemporary setting of Chicago, and now there is a wizard coming out of a portal. Okay, okay. I have, how does Wizards that work? Wizards a thing? Yeah. You know? how, how is this a thing? You know, mm-hmm. or or something as simple as like I was saying, like you they come into a crime scene and someone's stuck to the ceiling, right? And there's nothing exploded in the room. Mm-hmm. There's just a body stuck to the ceiling, and you're like, okay, how did it get? there right and so now you have to come up with reasons in your own mind at least as a storyteller for the logic behind why that's happening that way so that when your players start investigating and discovering things it makes sense Mm -hmm. you know is it angels is it demons is it otherworldly you know is it you know something from space you know what caused those effects so that they can then discover it and move through it right you right. know and that's where the fantasy starts becoming more of a challenge you know if it's if your setting already has that baked in okay like shadow run it's baked in mm-hmm. like everybody can read through it see how things work move through it based upon those things and then you have contemporary elements attached to it but if you're starting from whole cloth that can get really challenging to try and keep up with the second thing, and it's the most important reason why I don't necessarily like con- contemporary stuff, is people playing themselves. Oof. Here we go. <laughs> so there have been a number of times when storytellers have looked at me and said, oh, we're doing this vampire game in yeah. modern s- setting. You start out as yourself. I'll help you make your character of <sighs> you. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go real bad. Yeah. Because how much do you know of what you know? How much of that is real? You know, and then they're applying points to who you are. Yeah. And and honestly, 
here's the thing is anytime i've had the opportunity to play myself um i i I could not find motivation yeah because i can come up with a million reasons why a heroic fantasy character will choose to go out and be heroic in a fantasy world yep and do heroic things like fight dragons okay which is maddening if you think about it <laughs> sorry i just saw Knox's post <laughs> no. No. no 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 yeah no. yeah i i agree um, i agree it's not but but like the, the first things first it's like okay you know uh you're you're playing yourself and you've been embraced by a vampire and now you're a creature of the night and you must feast on blood oh okay i kill myself I, I just watched the sunrise because I'm not going to do this. I, I know what eternity feels like. I've seen it in a game before, you know, not, yeah. not, not dealing with this. It's like, going to, it's going to turn out wrong. I, I feel bad squishing spiders around my house. I'm not going to be able to feed on people for the rest of my life. Right. I'm Never killed a person able, before. Yeah. Not going to handle this situation. Yep. You know? Nope. 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 We're just going to watch the sunrise. Okay. Game over. Second thing. And this is just me. Everybody at your table does not have the exact same experiences. When you start dealing with contemporary games, things like legitimate horror mm-hmm. is walking down the street and getting caught by somebody or you know it's like if it's your life okay so now i've got a female who's playing my game and she's playing herself and the storyteller says you know hey okay so you're on your way to work and you're walking out to your car and a guy comes out of the shadows so now that's in her head mm-hmm. like it's there and she's thinking about it when she's leaving work the next day. Yep. You and know, a lot easier to hit on actual honest to goodness trauma and triggers. And... I, I know quite a few friends who are currently in the military and some who are no longer in the military yep. and both have lost friends from trauma in the military causing other effects, psychological effects. Yep. The idea of them having to deal with or seeing people die. Mm hmm in a non-fantifical way, you know, that they can't detach themselves from, it would be horrific. Yeah. So I I just caution people when you're dealing with situations like that and doing contemporary games, you got to know your audience. And you kind of got to read them ahead of time because they may not know nearly as well. Yeah. So so that's kind of where I sit with things. That's just me. That's just where I'm at. I think it's I, I think it's it's perfectly reasonable. I don't think I've ever had a good experience playing myself or anything like myself in a game. Yeah. So I think pushing to fantasies are good. I think having an established semi-fantasy contemporary world is good. So I think, you know, vampires good. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not going to play it in Detroit as my friends. I might play it in Detroit so we all have we all in the theaters of the mind's eye we have frame of reference like oh you mean they all hang out at the Masonic Temple on the 16th floor because that's a coven and it could yeah it could be cool a cool opportunity oh totally to to take fantasy you know elements into Mm -hmm. real life places like yeah what goes on at the Detroit Opera House you know and the the sub floors of it that were built you know exactly like how far down does New York subway tunnels go you might know because you're a urban. It's turtles tur- all the way down. Right. Nice. Nice. I knew you were gonna do that. Damn it. So, <laughs> but that's the whole thing is is that like you can use contemporary things in a fantasy esque, and then that adds that contemporary mm-hmm. layer for you. Yeah. You can put in contemporary jokes into things like Shadowrun and get a lot of of uh, feeling out of it and a lot of fun. We were, um, no, we, we've talked about, uh, the setting, the setting being a character kind of in and of itself. Very much so. Uh, and it's very living. Especially in games like, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, like Urban Shadows, mm-hmm. um, and also in the Dresden Files RPG. Yeah. Um, during character creation, basically during your, during your session zero, you actually, there is a, a part where you create the city, the setting. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's one of the things we were doing is we, uh, when uh, Sean was trying to run Dresden Files for us for a little bit. Again, scheduling conflicts just destroyed that for us. But um, it was great when he was running it. But we were playing in Detroit. And what we did was we took a little bit of time to kind of look into the lore of our city and look up like, you know, ghost tales and and things like that. And then say, what if these were real? You know? Yeah. Look up urban legends. 
yeah, uh, exactly. around the place. If, yeah. you're, if you're going to play in a contemporary setting. And then just, just say, okay, what, what would be a fantasy... Yeah, what's one degree beyond that? Right. Yeah. Right. What, what would... If we, plus one. Yeah. Hey, what's a, what's that thing down in Mexico? Eats all the... Uh, the uh, uh, that'd the, be the chupacabra, sir. Yeah, what about chupa thingy? Can we get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I love exactly. that kind of stuff. Um, well, we've got a little bit of time for questions. Yeah. Uh, I think we still questions. got like 20 minutes or so, so we got some time on this. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. Meat on that bone. All right. All right. Um, let's start with the Met Elf. All right. Um, do you have a contemporary setting that you would like to play or run in for which there isn't a game already in place? Now, he said Dresden Files, which is funny. Which is funny because there is There a is a Dresden. Files it's game. funny how many game settings there are out there that most of us don't know about uh, that, that exist. Um... Uh... Okay, so um, contemporary, contemporary mm. setting, you would run to play a game which isn't already a game in place. Okay, so nice. there is a Dresden Files game. We've played it. It's wonderful. Um, it's uh, set using the, the Fate system. Right. What I would say, though, is a mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. uh, has turned me on to the uh, October Day series okay. uh, by Sean and McGuire. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, now, that is uh, contemporary fantasy as well, but it is all based around the fae yes the fairies Mm -hmm. um the main character is the uh eponymous uh october day Mm -hmm. who is a half she changeling nice half uh half she half human nice and uh because of this strange place in our world one foot in and one foot out um and she's a private investigator and uh makes sense hilarity ensues nice um and I really, really, really enjoy the way that Shauna McGuire writes the Fae. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, and because it is completely dedicated to that and not trying to spread it across every fantasy creature that's ever existed, like the Dresden Files does, kind right. of. Um, no, mind you, I really greatly enjoy Jim Butcher. No joke. Um, and I, I, I'm it's good a writing. huge Dresden Files fan. But because... He does. He does kind of spread himself a little thin, and that you don't get a lot of the lore behind individual sects. Sure. Um. Uh. Though it is spread across many, 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 many books. Right. Um. All of Sean McGuire's stuff is based around the Fae, so you get really in depth into like court politics Mm -hmm. and how that whole society works, and it's fascinating. And I would love to play there. Nice. Okay. Okay. Would need the right storyteller for it, though. Definitely. And I think to a degree, you'd have to um, do what a lot of the systems do in those those types of things, where they talk more about the world and less about the original story that it came from, mm-hmm. so that you can play something different, that yep. you're not playing that storyline those characters yeah yeah exactly. they exist somewhere else you know it's csi miami and now mm-hmm. it's csi i don't know charlotte sure. you know <laughs> and and that's the difference there and i think that um i think for settings like that i uh like one of the ones that came up in here x files would be kind of a neat thing X-Files to do as well would be cool because again it's a focused point because it's unusual situations but a lot of it seems to rotate around maybe and i need to mess up my hair for this aliens you know (laughs) um but i think in general it is about the unknown with a giant question mark Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of a neat way to do things because you can really push a lot of boundaries there again you start running some risks with how you want to play in that world because not everyone's going to be part of the investigation at the government level and have all the access, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Um, another contemporary one that I would kind of think would be fun. Sure. Um, but I think it's the veil kind of thing uh, is Stargate. Oh, Stargate would be amazing. Yeah. And play it a little further back, like play it, you know, or like early Stargate program. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, whereas they've kind of pushed it a little bit farther along the line, it's still pretty contemporary. They've sure. just done a lot of shit in a small amount of time. Sure. You know, but I think that would be kind of a fun world to play in with semi-normal people because there's all kinds of other groups that are dealing with the Stargate. Oh, there there's, is. There's got to be other shit going on. anything on the other side of a Stargate. You yep. Just, you know, I mean, that's pretty much the, enti- the entire recipe for, you know, for, for, for the first three seasons was, yeah. hey, we dialed a random number. Yeah. <laughs> and, because, and because we sent we a team in. on our chart. You know, and here's the procedure that you have to follow. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of shadow runny because you've got a team 
that's been picked together. Yeah. That all have a common purpose. Y'all work for one corporation, you know, <laughs> the government, mm-hmm. and you're going through a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because maybe that isn't your job this week. Maybe your job is something landed in a cornfield in Wisconsin. Yeah. We think it's a transport ship and it's hidden because two guys got killed by a couple FBI agents who may or may not have made it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to go recover that thing and find it and make sure nobody else in town finds it. You know, go go for it. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that I think is a really good uh, contemporary system that would be fun. Uh, Heatsink brings up in the, uh, in the live chat here, SCP Foundation. Oh, SCP? Yeah. Neat. Okay. Are you familiar? Uh, it's SCP is... Um, Secure containment uh, yeah. protocol. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, for those of you not familiar with SCP Foundation, um, first off, Google it. You're, you won't be disappointed. It is an online collaborative writing project, basically. Uh, they've created a, a vast wiki, literally mm-hmm. thousands of these things now. Yeah. And they're all just unexplained things. Yeah. Um, and there's this kind of pseudo fiction that's well, not pseudo fiction, uh, but like a quasi, uh, uh meta fiction basically yeah. that's kind of sprouted up around it of no one, no one really sat down and wrote what the SCP foundation was, no. but it gets defined by the stories and how the SCP foundation is told through those stories. Yep. And what it is, it's a collection of case files. Nice. Okay. So they're not going to tell the story about this thing. Like mm-hmm. John went and did, you know, saw this and picked this up and then this happened yeah. to him. But it's, it's like a, um, this is SCP-437. Um, SCP-437 must be contained in a four, by, four foot by four foot concrete cube room it must be password protected and guarded at all all you know all times no one without you know x level clearance is allowed in there um it exhibits x property y property and z property right you know and, and like tons of redactions and stuff yeah, like you that can't, so you, you don't even yeah. know what material some of this type stuff is. is redacted redacted exactly you know uh, you know, it, it, it remained inert at all times, except for when Dr. Redacted you did, know, did redacted. redacted. Right. It's it like a big black line. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, there must have been something going on there. Exactly. It's all blacked out. Okay. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. And then people will start writing and put playing off of other people's SCPs. Nice. And so there's a lot of, there's, um, I think almost, I've seen a few of these on Reddit. Almost actually, like now. the Cthulhu mythos kind of popped up. Right. Where it wasn't all Lovecraft, but other people inspired by Lovecraft's writings wrote right. Lovecraft-esque stuff. Okay. And that whole kind of collection, like the King in Yellow, you know, okay. it is not Lovecraft, but he's kind of part of the Lovecraft mythos now. And so okay. it, SCP Foundation kind of defines the same sort of thing, where there's a lot of like meta plots that kind of pop up if you read certain different SCP files. And there could be some really cool stuff in there, like right. going out to get some of these things, or sure. maybe being the researchers involved in them. That'd be kind of neat. Or, you know, lots of great stuff at like that. So grab uh, Overwatch's question before we run out of time. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's okay, it's okay. All right. You're enjoying so, this. You know what? I'm actually going to skip Overwatch. Oh. Because I want to grab the Arcane Asylum. Do it. Because uh, I really love this question. Go for it. In regards to PC hit points... Do you believe the fleshy water balloon systems, <laughs> okay. like Call of Cthulhu, are more compelling as opposed to tanky systems where unrealistic injuries might break immersion? First off, I want to give you so many points for calling it the fleshy water balloon system. It is the fleshy water balloon system. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with that statement. Pretty hardcore. Um, I would say that there are positives and negatives, and it really comes down to your players. Like, if your players are willing to be expendable, I think that is adds a whole level of stress Mm -hmm. um that they might enjoy they might enjoy that that level of stress and drama on the other hand if your players want to play heroes who survive and they get used to their characters they are going to absolutely hate that they could pop at a moment's notice and that everything is stressful it it comes down to who your players are yeah i i think uh do you like roller coasters do you like roller coasters with no seat belts (laughs) is an excellent way of putting it. <laughs> um, I, I think there's two things to keep in keep in mind. Uh, you know, the, the, the squishier your characters are, the further you're going to stray from fantasy, hero, you know, heroic fantasy yes. to horror. And gritty horror. Gritty horror real darn quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, 
I like starting out at level one, level one characters with six hit points mm-hmm. and kobolds become real scary at that level. Sure. You know, uh, I had a level one, like, cleric who was like, they're just zombies. Dead. And then the zombie rolled like a D8 damage to hit him. And he was like, that was most of my hit points. Yep. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yep. Congratulations. You are a average Joe Schmo. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing to keep in mind is that um, hit points are representative. Yeah. Uh, they're just representative of an amount of punishment you can take. Mm-hmm. And just because a battle axe dealt a D12 damage to you does not mean that it hit you and gouged into your flesh and that you are now shrugging that off. No, no. And that's where I was saying you can play an edge of yeah. injury. Exactly. I mean, so. you know, you, you probably deflected it at the last time. It was a good hit. But that put an undue amount of stress on you. Yes. And really, it's probably only the killing blow that actually, quote unquote, lands. Yeah. You know, that you do actually, oops, I I zigged when I should have zagged, and the enemy ran me through. Right. Now I'm at zero hit points. Or you're unconscious, which is the way 7C plays it, is that you're not dead. at zero hit points. Right. Whatever happens game mechanically from there. Right. But, you know, that's the one that dropped me. Right. Regardless of what dropped means. Exactly. Exactly. Now, keeping in mind, too, we talk a lot about, um, incidentally, about palladium. Mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles, yep. um, Rifts, those sort of things. Yeah. This is exactly why Palladium introduced the system for SDC. Yes. Structural damage capacity. Right. Because I can I can do things like, you know, you and I can punch each other. Sure. And that's going to deal what we call SDC. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of punches that we can take from each other, but it's not going to kill us. Right. Okay. Now, if I keep punching you, mm-hmm. there is a certain point which, where those impacts are going to start actually reducing your life. Right. And I, if I continue, I will kill you. Yes. Okay. But up to a certain point, little bumps and bruises and flesh wounds and, you know, grazing shots and sure. stuff like that, they're going to leave bruises. They, mm-hmm. they, scars. You know, scars. But they're not going to, you know, incidental bleeding, but they're not going to kill right. you. Right. They you can know. be healed. Um, hmm. Things like if I poisoned you, though, mm-hmm. that skips your SDC. That goes straight to hit points. Right. Because that is killing you. Correct. Period. Right. Um, and so that's why you have that separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to think about, is all I'm going to say, mm-hmm. um, so in, 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 in how, what a hit point is, what the quantity of a hit point is, how you quantify that in your world, and how then you storytell that and represent that. So, technically, if you roleplay it that only the killing blow is the one that actually landed and everything else is bumps and bruises that almost hit, Yep. technically every game is a fleshy water balloon game. That's true. That is true. I would agree with that Because statement. a sword is a sword is a sword. Fair enough. All right. I am going to grab Overwatch's question then. All right. Do it. Uh, normally, pop culture references and modern sensibilities can be derailing or immersion breaking in a fantasy or sci-fi setting. But how do you handle them in a modern game where they are contextually appropriate? Let me reread that. Normally, Oh, yeah. Uh, I- I'd say if they're... If it's if, truly if, appropriate. If they're, if they're contextually appropriate, why would they be derailing? Right. You know? I, I don't think they are derailing, but I think I get where he's coming from, is that if everyone is throwing pop, pop culture references around, you know, that it's 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 part of their character in the game doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that comes back down to role-playing. Yeah. Like, is your gritty military guy really throwing around those kinds of jokes? You know offhandedly is mm-hmm. he is he talking about Popeye you know you know or is he you know throwing some meme about cats around so it it comes back to who are you playing you know are the idea is is that you're role playing something you're playing a role is that role person a tween who's all about living memes sure mm-hmm. then go right ahead and do that thing but at the same time <laughs> what class are you I'm a dank meme lord <laughs> Get out of my game. <laughs> so, I, but I think that's the kind of stuff that you really want to manage a little bit differently uh, when you deal with those kind of situations is that if, if something is disrupting the game, talk about it. Mm-hmm. If it's setting appropriate, like I remember in Shadowrun, uh, my wife's character, Meat, who is a troll and like nothing but luck and everything, literally 
we were sneaking into a place, and as she's sneaking, she's saying that her character is going sneak, 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 and then when guards come by, she plasters herself to the wall, this giant troll, and basically tries to hide against the wall. Okay. Or, like, grabs a fern and puts it in front of her face because she believed her character was all about cartoons and loved cartoons. So he's basically a gi- this giant troll kid. Mm-hmm. You know, who's hanging out with all these other people and doing these shadow runs because he's a fucking troll, you know? But still believing all the tropes of those things. And so it wasn't immersion-breaking for the character to be doing those things. Mm -hmm. And I think those kind of situations fit. I think that makes sense and can add a lot of flavor. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, I mean, and I also think there's, there's, there's there's room for joking around at the table. I mean, 100%. I know we, we all want to, we all want to have these like great epic stories that are, you know, things like, you know, Tolkien would have written, but uh, you know, honestly, if somebody, you know, like uh, one of one of my favorite moments in critical role, uh, sure. uh, there's a, a character named Ford. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, F J O R D, but he yep. pronounces it Ford. Ford. Yeah. Um, and uh, at one point when they very early on the campaign, they acquired some horses. And so he asked if his was a Mustang. And everybody hard rolled. You'd hear the eye rolls. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he was like, "It's like, oh, okay, you know, hey, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Like, <laughs> I can just ask, can I? Because he wants okay. a Ford Mustang. All right, all right. Like, what if I named it? What were you gonna name it, Ford? Shelby. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you could hear the eye rolls. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, it's a pop culture reference. One hundred percent. Come on, it's funny. It's it is funny. And, and we we move move past it. Right. You know? Right. Uh, you guys yes. in my game, the surly yes. girl scout. Not even that. I was gonna go straight to oh. the bards competition. One hundred percent. Lord Arroway walks in and Lord they, like they're Phalian Arroway. They're getting ready to write down the name. So what's the name? What name should I announce you under, my lord? Arrowsmith. <laughs> And we literally all stood up and just slow clapped him right there on the yep. it was, it was, it needed to happen. It needed to happen. And it was fine. It was, it was beautiful. beautiful. It was fine. He deserved the inspiration he got for it. And <laughs> you then, know. And then we just moved forward, like just, just let yeah, it happen. Let and it just, happen. And just roll forward as long as it doesn't get too zany and out of and out of hand. Yeah. You know, it's 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 good. It's I okay. mean, we. I can remember sessions of my Seven C game with you guys where literally the puns didn't stop one day, like between. Uh, Trev and Chris and you, the puns just kept coming. <laughs> I was fine with it because you guys were at least in you know, doing it in character. Can't stop, won't stop. Exactly. <laughs> and I was fine with it. But it it was to a level of disruption. But at the same time, everybody was still having a good time. And if it was in character, Whatever. I mean, then, then what's to say the characters aren't just having that fun? You yeah. know? I mean, yeah. sure. I mean, we're all enjoying it as players, but if the characters get into a little pun match while they're traveling down the road, then why not? Why not? Just, let just let it roll. Let the thing happen. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, I think we got one more question from the Mad Elf actually. Okay. Um, what are some traditional non-contemporary games that you'd like to convert to contemporary game setting because you like the system? Hmm. My first thought was going to be D&D 5th edition, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that's so mired in its own setting that I don't think that uh, it would work out too well. Yeah, I, I like the 7C system in general, 1st edition. I like that roll and keep methodology, so there's a lot of times when I'd like to push that to a contemporary system, because I think it could happen. I think the magic and some of the swordplay would have to change uh, to fit that, but I think it could work. I think you could still bring the system over without much difficulty. Yeah. Cause it's, it's blood based magic. And I think that's really good. I think that helps out a lot. Uh, I gotta be honest. I can't think of anything else. I, can't, I really can't think of anything, any of the game that I, that I've ever looked at and said, like the I system. wish, I wish I could play that in contemporary. You yeah. Know? I mean, I get it. There's, there's, there's definitely a lot of systems out there that are very simple that you could just play contemporary without a question. Yeah. But I, I, for me, I think it would be seven C first edition. I'd want to bring it over. I'd want to port that. I don't really, I don't really fall in love with systems though. I fall more in love with settings. So, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Well, we are getting close to the end. I think next week we're doing plot twists and red herrings, right? For April 1st. That is hilarious. Plot twists and red herrings. Well, hmm. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, uh, now on MixLR at MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave, and in, on Discord, our link is also in the Twitter uh, every week, uh, so you can find it there. I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon members, Knox and the Box and Sam, for supporting the show, and uh, all, the, all the rest of our Patreon members. Thank you so much uh, for helping us keep doing this. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Keyfrog. You can find my at uh, or on Google Music. And our outro music is Only Footprints and Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, you can find me on SoundCloud.com slash MidairMachine. We also are going to be no longer recording a podcast Detroit. We do want to thank uh, Caitlin and Dave and the staff there for their help for almost the last year. It's been pretty fantastic. Yeah. But we'd also like to thank our families. Vicky, Sean, thank you so much for doing this with us, and all of our friends who play our games, and of course you, our listeners. We love you. Good night.